Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Those who are in here, let's go ahead and grab our Bibles and turn to Jonah chapter 3. Uh, During the summer, as you may know, we've been working through um, the book of Jonah. It's found in the Old Testament. It's after Psalms among the minor prophets. If you're turning there, um, Jonah chapter 3 is where we are. We'll have a week or two afterwards after this uh, to continue um, this series. So Jonah chapter 3, the entire chapter, is what I read to you a minute ago. Maybe you've thought this before. I really blew it this time. I really blew it this time. I've really messed up this time. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt overwhelmed with your past or overwhelmed with what you've done? Maybe you feel that right now. Maybe you're experiencing that this very moment. Perhaps just me saying that, this idea, I've really blew it. Maybe maybe it's called to mind something in your past, something, something in your past, a past moment that has caused those feelings to resurface, a, a reminder of something you've done or some disobedience that you've partaken in that, that, that has left you wondering, will God ever use me again? Will, will God ever do a work in my life again? Will God ever use me mightily for his kingdom again? I've really blown, I, I mean, I understand that God forgives. I understand that God, God, God saves, that God rescues, but man, that was really dumb. God saved me. Maybe, have you thought this before? God, God saved me, but can he really do anything with me? Can he really use me for his glory? Can he really do anything through me? I want us to be thinking about that this morning as we go through this next section, this chapter 3 of Jonah. Maybe it isn't so much the guilt, but a genuine wondering if I will ever see a move like, of God like this in my life, like I experienced back then. Will I ever experience that again? Think of that personally. Maybe, maybe even think about that corporately. Will, will we ever see God move like he has done in the past? And perhaps we're reminded of our shortcomings and wonder, man, I, I would be surprised if God ever uses me again. Perhaps we can imagine what Jonah might be feeling in these moments. He's just been vomited up by a fish that God appointed to save him from the depths as Jonah went down, 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 fleeing from the presence of God, fleeing from the word of God, in outright rebellion this prophet was, and he is fresh out of the whale's belly, so fresh that probably Jonah is not very fresh. Have you ever been fishing and caught a fish, I think about bass fishing, and you pick the fish up by the lip, how long does it take you just from picking that fish up by the lip to get that smell of the fish off of your hands? It takes a little bit. Sometimes days, sometimes weeks before you finally stop smelling it. So you can imagine Jonah, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I'm just imagining here for a moment someone who spent uh, three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Perhaps the smell of fish vomit is still on him. And so he's still reminded of where he's been. He's still reminded of the depths that God went through to to save him, to draw him up out of the pits. He's reminded of constantly, I would imagine, from the smell on his clothes as he's washed up on this beach shore now, of his past. There he is, Jonah is, on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea, hundreds, perhaps eight, nine hundred miles away from Nineveh, still trying to shake the smell from his past, probably wondering God, thank you for saving me, but will God ever use me again? 
this mission that I have left behind, will God ever use me again? Something we're seeing so far is that the book of Jonah is so much more than a story of a whale or a fish. It's a story about God's grace and mercy. How even the most rebellious sinners can be saved by God's grace. And even the most rebellious sinners that God saves by his grace can be used for his glory. And we're going to see that in the life of Jonah. And I hope you see that in your life as well. Jonah 3 verses 1 and 2. The first thing I want you to see this morning is the second chance. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Now when I get to Jonah chapter 3, that causes me to stop in my tracks and feel the grace and mercy of the Lord. Perhaps you're feeling this at this very moment, that Jonah has rebelled, and the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. A second time. God had every right to say, I'm done with you, but God in his grace and mercy after this, I'm coming to you again to give you this mission again. I'm not done with you yet. Jonah, you, there's a mulligan. There's a do-over. God's grace and mercy, as far as the sin is, as far as the east is from the west, so your sin has been removed from you. I love you, my child. It reminds me of the old hymn, Depth of Mercy. Can there be mercy still reserved for me? And that resounding answer to Jonah is yes. There's mercy still for you. God is not finished with Jonah, and it's all grace. It's all grace. And the mission is the same, just as he told Jonah in Jonah chapter 1. Now he tells him again, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Jonah is rescued from the depths that he deserved of his own sin. And not only is he rescued, brothers and sisters, he has a second chance. God recommissions him and says, Jonah, I'm not done with you. Continue the mission that I've caught you to. I have saved you from the depths. I have rescued you. And now I'm recommissioning you to go to the Ninevites and tell them the message that I will tell you. So already we see a lot of application, don't we? No matter where you turn or where, no matter where you are or where you've been or what you smell like, what your past is still hanging on to you, you can turn. You can come to Christ. There's always hope. You are not stuck in your sin and your past. You are not hopeless. You are not without mission for God who restores is a God who recommissions. And we could stop there and just glory in it, but there's more to the story. God gives Jonah a second chance, and how will Jonah respond to this recommissioning? He's already cried in the belly of the wish, Lord, whatever you do, I will go. He says, I vow to you and I will keep my vow to you, this prophet will. What will Jonah do with his new day? And and, and I want to stop before we see what Jonah's done, how Jonah responds. So we've seen Jonah's second call, but we haven't seen Jonah's response yet. He's been told to go and arise and the risk of repeating myself. Here is where I think we get stuck in our own lives. Or maybe, in the, let's think about corporately as well, where we get, maybe even get stuck as a church. We hear the God, call of God on our lives, and it's clear as can be. 
We can even say the Great Commission, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that God has commanded, for he is with us wherever we go. We hear the call of God in our lives, but then we see the task in front of us and our paths behind us and wonder if we're up to the task. So there Jonah is, pass behind him, the task in, the pass behind him, the task in front of him, the task is still to go to Nineveh, and we're going to see who these folks in Nineveh are in a second. And we can make a mistake at this point. We see our past. We see the task in front of us, what we're clearly called to do. And I'm not sure what Jonah's doing at this moment, but I know in my own life, what I might do in moments like this or moments as a church or as an individual, we start measuring our potential. So how is it when God calls you and puts a calling on your life and calls you to reach out to someone or whatever it might be, how is it that you measure your potential? Do you look at your past, your skill set, the size of the task you face? And some of us need to admit right now that we are a work in progress, that we don't have it all together. And if I was like Jonah at this moment, I was thinking, man, I've been in some dark places. I see this task in front of me, and I don't know if I have it in me. More of that in a moment. But how does Jonah respond? Verse 3. First time, Jonah went down, down, down away from the presence of the Lord, down into Joppa, down into the ship, down into the belly of the whale, down into the bottom of the sea. Verse 3. So Jonah arose, immediate obedience. Jonah arose, hundreds of miles away from Nineveh, there on the beach shore. Jonah gives up and he goes. God's called me and I'm going. See, next week his, his heart is still in progress. So it's not that he's perfect or has it all figured out. It's not overwhelmed with his present or past, whatever it might be. We're going to see that next week. Jonah still has a lot of work on his heart to do, but, but Jonah arose in obedience. He went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. And Jonah went into the city going a day's journey and began to call out to them. Jonah is obedient. Right away, he goes. He gets up. He starts walking. It might have taken him weeks to get there, but he goes to Nineveh. The task is great. Nineveh is evil. It's a godless place, as he describes here. It's a big place, as he describes how long it takes to walk into the city and around the city. And maybe we need to realize at this point, here's why I asked you a second ago, what's, how do you measure your potential? It's clear at this moment that if this is going to happen, if Jonah is going to be obedient and walk into the city and proclaim a message like this, that would be, you're going to see in a second, completely countercultural to the recipients of this. This will not depend on my potential. But God's going to have to do it. I'll be obedient to what he's called, but God is going to have to do it. They're going to have to believe God. They're going to have to trust God. God's going to have to do it if anything is going to come of this mission. So Jonah has a second chance. Jonah responds to the call. He arises and he goes to Nineveh. And not only do we see Jonah's response to the second call, he's going to be obedient and go. And 
follow the Lord? Let's talk about Nineveh for a minute. Here's all the Bible tells us right here that Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breath. So we know it's a big city. One prophet, really big city. Perhaps you're thinking if you do the numbers of how big our city is, the millions of people that probably live in the greater New Orleans area, us and the entire city, if God's going to do something, he's going to have to do it and use us in mighty ways. So not only is the size of the city overwhelming, remember what the Lord told him in Jonah chapter 1, that the, the, the evil of Nineveh had come upon him. So not only was it a large city, it was a rebellious city. Some interpretations of this say that it was a city that, that the Bible says was, was great before God. Or some interpret that it was, it was a city great with gods, so they worshiped many gods. Either way, it's a rebellious city, it's a big city that Jonah is going to tell this message 40 days and you're done. <laughs> so let's talk about Nineveh for a moment. I don't see big and populous. Nineveh is filled with fierce and cruel Assyrians. Here's some things that we know about the Assyrians from history, that they were ruthless people. When they overthrew a city, they overthrew a city. They didn't just take over the city and put some of their people there. They wiped out the city so that there'd be no more people there. And God had told the Israelites, like, look, if you continue to rebel, the Assyrians will come in judgment to you. So Jonah, as a, as a man of God, would fear the Assyrians. And these people were ruthless. They would build pyramids out of decapitated heads to show their power. They would flay enemies alive. They would reach into enemies' throats and pull their tongues out. They were sick. They were ruthless. They had no fear of God before them. And they were powerful and fierce and cruel people. And here's the truth. This is what Jonah faced. These, these recipients are. And here's the truth I, I think about my own heart, and perhaps you can understand this in your own heart. Well, it's, it's not so much that we misunderstand the commission of God or misunderstand what he's called us to. It's clear what he's called Jonah to do. That's usually not the problem. Usually our problem is trusting, can God change them? Can God really do a work in fierce and cruel people who have hard hearts like these Assyrians, like these Ninevites? Oftentimes, it is some sort of doubt about the people that we are sent to, not the God that calls us to go to those people. We're going to see that evident in Jonah's life next week. But think about that for a moment. What's your fear of following what the Lord has called you to do individually or as a church? Is it because you're not clear of what God has called you to do? Or are you, are you worried about what they might do to you, what they might think, or that God can even save a sinner like that? Jonah should know at this point that God can save a sinner even like him. And if he gets a hold of these people, he will change them. And so these recipients are unlikely. We have an unlikely people. 
People who would say, I don't know if they would ever trust in the Lord. We have an unlikely prophet, one who has some prejudice against these people, some fear of these people, and are wondering, can God change their hearts? Could God ever change them as though people could out the grace of God? Maybe you're thinking about that your own life right now. Could God save a sinner like me? Well, I can tell you he saved a sinner like me. And he saved a sinner like you. And he rescued you from the pits and the depths. Perhaps he can save others. Really, we need to get to the point where we say, I will never change them. If they are to change, this is clearly going to be an act of God. It won't be because I entertain them or impress them, but because the Spirit of God regenerated them. That's my hope. That's the hope of Nineveh. That's the hope of you and I. So God gives Jonah a second chance. Jonah responds. He goes. He arises and he goes to Nineveh. So we see the recipients of who he's going to. And he's told what to tell them. So imagine these fierce people who Jonah would be fearful of physically for sure. Go and tell them this, this message that I will tell you. What was the message? You got 40 days. Look at verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, this great city, this evil city, this city that had no desire for God in their own hearts. He went a day's journey and called out, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 40 days. How will they know unless we tell them? It's okay to talk about the wages of sin being death. Tell them the bad news before you tell them the good news that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How will they know unless they hear? How will they hear unless a preacher goes to tell them how beautiful are the feet that bear the good news of the kingdom of God? How will Nineveh know unless someone tells them? This is how God has chosen to reach the world. Faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. They will never know unless we tell them. The only reason I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ is because someone told it to my parents and they believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And someone told it to their parents and they believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And generation after generation, one after another, the gospel was preached from generation to generation. It was preached from Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost all the way across the sea, all the way into the United States of America, all the way to New Orleans, Louisiana, so I could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and faith came through hearing as the Spirit regenerated my heart to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. How did God reach you with the gospel? How will he reach the next generation? If we don't tell them, they will never know. If Jonah doesn't go and tell them, who will? It's clear. It's okay to tell bad news. Good news is better when we know the bad news. The truth, the wages of sin is death. Again, this is not going to happen. This is a countercultural message. Even the Bible says that the gospel is foolishness to those who are, peri- uh, who are perishing. How, how will they believe it unless God regenerates them? And it reminds me, it, it makes me think of the saying that I constantly have in my mind is what you win them with, you win them to. Here's what I mean by that. 
If you point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ, win them with the gospel, the only way they'll be saved, that's what you win them to. If, if we become a church or a people who are wondering, man, if we have this program or this entertainment or this whatever, you might win people to the, to the program, but, but not, not to Christ. And so it will take us declaring the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to see this church do. Grow because of the gospel of Jesus Christ because God is saving people. That would be glorious to see. How will they know unless we tell them? So Jonah has a second chance. Jonah responds. He goes to Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh, this great and evil city, this large city and largely evil city. He goes with the message, 40 days you have to repent and turn unless you will be overthrown. Listen to the verse. If we're going on Jonah's potential, if we're looking at the message that he's preached, <laughs> someone's going to believe that. That's going to revive an entire evil city, a message like that. Come on, clean it up a little bit. Make it a little more palatable because that's not going to do it. That's what God has called him to. The story stopped there. How do you think they would have responded? And God tells us. Look at verse 5. And this should just overwhelm us. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Do you see that? The, the, the people of Nineveh believed God. It was the power of God unto salvation, the gospel message is. It depended upon God, and God did it. Yes, Jonah proclaimed the message, but they didn't just believe Jonah. They believed God. Faith is a gift from God. It wasn't Jonah. Yes, he preached the message. It was God who did it. God accomplished the task. They believed God did it. Revival doesn't depend upon the preacher, no matter how reluctant he is or how good he is. Revival depends upon a special visitation by God where we clearly proclaim that God is among us and God did it. That was clear in Nineveh. Nineveh is more responsive to God than Jonah even was at first. They believed, and this is shocking, it's hard to believe, but God did it. True revival came upon Nineveh. They believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. God, did this really happen? A city overnight, through the message of a prophet, like, did this really happen? Jesus said it did. Talk about the sign of Jonah, three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says this. The men of Nineveh, he says, this is Matthew 12, 41, will rise up, he's telling to the, these religious folks, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus said, yes, this city was converted. This city rose up and repented and believed the message of Jonah. This really happened. The greatest revival in all of history. From a simple message, from an unlikely prophet to an unlikely people, to an evil city, an overwhelmingly large city, God saved them from top to bottom. Did you notice what it says in there? 
that the word that they called for a fast, the people believed the word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne and removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. So understand what's going on here. The word even reached the king. And so this was not, we're going to see the king gives the decree in a minute, but this was not the king decreeing, hey, y'all better believe and y'all better repent. The people are repenting. The people are believing. It gets to the king and the king is also saved and also believes and also repents. And then he says, let this whole nation repent of the sin that we have done. Let me say this as we see this response. No matter the size of the task, he is able. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That God could yet again move his spirit throughout this nation, that we would see revivals like never before, people come to faith in Jesus Christ like never before? He is able. Don't look at your potential. <laughs> look at what God can do. Let's pray and get what God can do. Jonah, you go. I'll be with you. I'll give you the message. If Jonah simply measured his potential, he would simply say, no way. If you looked at his track record, he's doomed. Looking at the city, he's doomed. But he goes with the authority of the one who sent them. I'd imagine we struggle with this. We disguise it in humility and we disobey. How can I parent and husband and work and love and serve in a way that brings glory to God? I'm overwhelmed. I don't feel like I can do any better. I want to be light to my neighbors, but I'm so busy. Jonah is still not perfect, but God does a work through imperfect people. Are you in a place of redemptive inactivity? Maybe you've made the wrong assessment. Thinking little you, big past, big task. The right way is, yes, little you, nothing you. Big God. Big God that can do mighty things in this city and even in our own homes and lives and relationships and whatever it might be. There's true signs of repentance here. I want to point those out too as we start to draw to a close here. There's true signs of, a, of a repentance They're in sackcloth and ashes, just as Jonah went down, 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 away from the presence of the Lord. We see this king go off the throne into sackcloth, down into ashes, repenting and humbling himself before the Lord, not in rebellion, but in humility. Verse 7, and he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, no herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water. So he's calling for a nationwide fast. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Notice the sign of true repentance, that he's going down, he's humbling himself before the Lord, even asking the question, who knows God might revive us yet. God might forgive us yet. The humility is evident. Repentance is evident. They're reflecting upon their evil ways. Everyone fast. Everyone set aside. Stop eating and drinking so that you might reflect on your own life, reflect on the mighty work of God, and ask him to do a work in your life like never before. They are fasting. They're repenting. They're humbling. They're humbling themselves before the mighty hand of God. And we begin to see the nature of this revival, don't we? They're awakened to their condition. They're awakened to their true condition that they are sinners. 
And they are awakened from slumber that has resurrected them spiritually as they were dead in their sins and trespasses. And God awakens them through the power of his word. This is how it happens. All of a sudden we hear sermons like never before. It's not that the message has changed, but God has opened our ears like never before that we hear the word of God like never before. Like a farmer sowing, sowing, and sowing, the preacher preaches, preaches, and preaches, the Bible study teacher teaches, teaches, and teaches, and suddenly it takes root and springs up with fruit in people's lives. They're awakened to their condition. Their eyes have been opened from their slumber, from their deadness, and now they behold the wonders of the Word of God, and they listen and obey the Word of God. God's presence, the third thing, they're awakened to their condition. They're awakened to the word of God, and God's presence is woven throughout their community. We see that with the king from top to bottom, all turning to the Lord. That will happen in our church as well, just as I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 at the beginning of this service, that people will say God is among them, and God is doing a work among them. Barriers are broken down. Barriers to grace. Sin so deep, you wonder if that sin could ever be atoned for. The gospel comes and says, yes. Barriers are broken down. Cultural barriers are broken down. There's a turning from old life and clinging to new life. And there's a humility. There's no assumption that God ought to be merciful. But God responds. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now, you might say, so, so, so God changed his mind? He, he repented, he was going to do this thing, and now he has to do no, no, God didn't change, the people changed, because that's the promise of God. The promise of God is if you continue in your sin and rebellion, death. The promise of God is if you repent and turn to Christ, you will be saved and your sin will be wiped away as far as the east is from the west. So God remained true to his promise as people were changed by the preaching of this message. So let me ask a few questions as we wrap up here. First question. Are our hearts captivated by grace? Are our hearts captivated by what God has done in us? That he has saved a sinner like me and you and how the gospel has gone around the world to reach your ears. Are you captivated by God's grace? I have to say at least a little bit at this point, Jonah is. In the great Welsh revivals of the early 1900s, a phrase came out of that that I was made aware of this week. And here's the phrase that came out of the great Welsh revivals in the early 1900s. It says this, bend the church and save the people. Bend the church and save the people. In other words, God, bend our hearts. Stop saying, if if they change, this nation will be better. God, captivate our hearts with the grace of God. Second question. Are we committed to the calling that God has placed in our lives, in our homes, in our church, in our schools, and wherever God might bring us? Are we captivated by the call of Christ? Are we obedient to the call of Christ? Like I said earlier, it's not so much that we don't understand it as that we're fearful to trust Him, but we want to see a work of God in this generation. 
Are we passionate about obedience no matter what it might look like? No matter what it might look like in our own lives, whether good or bad, no matter what it might cost us, are we passionate about obedience no matter what it might look like? Last question, will we seek the lost in the strength that he provides and say, God, if you do this, you must do it because I can't. I don't have it in me. But God, you inhabit the work of your people. You have preordained good works for us to walk in them, so we will walk in them, and we will trust you to be with us no matter where we go, because you promised it in the Great Commission. So we'll trust your presence to go with us. Now, let's be clear. If you know history or just the rest of the Bible, it was less than 100 years later, and Nineveh was right back to where they started. They were as evil as can be. I say that to say this. Let's never presume on past works of God when God is calling us to do something today. I was reminded of that. I was down at Colonial Lanes with the summer day camp on Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. And a guy saw all the Riverside camp shirts and things like that. He said, is that Riverside from down the street? Yes, I'm, you know, I'm the pastor there now. I kind of talked to him for a minute. He goes to a different church now, but he says, I was saved in that church. And so I'm glad to see that y'all are still going. Praise God for all the people he saved throughout this city through the ministry of, of, of you and in this church. But let's not presume on the, the victories of the past. Let's ask what God has us for today and be obedient to that. And again, say, wherever he leads, we will go. And we will go in the power of Christ. For he is able to do far more than we can think or imagine. Let's pray.